Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Punting on Third College Football Podcast. It has been quite a while since we were podcasting. A lot has happened in the college football world. So we're going to have a pretty stacked podcast today talking about a lot of different things to get us prepared for the long dread that is the college football offseason, although we'll still be hitting you with some offseason pods. But in the meantime, let's get into it and begin with the national championship. Yes. Which, of course, saw LSU cap off a historical season by defeating the Clemson Tigers um, to finish <coughs> off 15-0. and What were your thoughts on this national championship? You know, I think it kind of went how I expected it to do. Just kind of a Joe Burrow struggling a little bit at first, but then finding his rhythm later on in the game. Uh, I thought a big game from one of these stud wide receivers, and it was Jamar Chase that had a big game after Justin Jefferson had a, was it four touchdown performance in the semifinal? Yep. Yeah. So, uh, you know, after every national championship, there's always, is this the greatest team ever debate? And uh, I think this team is up there. But you can't really compare like these teams. But I could say this: Joe Burrow had the greatest season ever by a quarterback, without a doubt. You know, it's hard to make comparisons across different you know, seasons because they're so different yep. overall. Yeah. But in terms of just pure resume and how much they beat the really good teams by LSU, certainly has got to be like top. Would you ever thought three. Joe Burrow would just like win the Heisman? No, and that's what's so cool yeah. is because last. Really, last off or late last off season, when it became clear he was going to LSU, people were saying that's a pretty big transfer, and I never really got that vibe when it happened. Um, but that's the crazy thing about college football is things can just happen. That you way. know, it's kind of I think this year is kind of similar. You know, I'm gonna say as good as a team, but like Cam Newton coming out of nowhere and winning the national championship as oh, a yeah. juco transfer. I think that's a you know, Cam Newton had an historic college football season, one season, and I think, I'm not saying Cam Newton, Joe Burrow is as good as Cam Newton, but uh, the very, very similar feel to the, the season, because Auburn that year came out of nowhere. Well, the way I feel on that is that Auburn would have been really bad, or not really bad, they would not have been anywhere close to a national championship team if they didn't have Cam Newton. I still feel like LSU would have been good without Joe Burrow. Yeah. Maybe uh, obviously not Miles national championship good, <laughs> but I feel like they would have been still a ten win team in that range. Yeah. But, Remember when uh, Coach O was on the hot seat? <laughs> oh, memories. It but seems it's, like it's, so long. It's crazy though. to think that Coach O was supposed to be the head coach at USC, and what would have happened if LSU would have hired Tom Herman? There's so many different dominoes that fell in the way they did to make this happen like it's pretty insane there's yeah. easily joe burrow easily could have gone somewhere Just else imagine or won the quarterback job joe burrow State. joe burrow was with the 2011 lsu team that made it to the national championship i think that team was actually better defensively oh without question and they had odell and jarvis landry and that was with was it like johnny jefferson <laughs> Well, that was Jordan Jefferson. Jordan Jefferson. Jordan Jefferson and Jarrett Lee were the Jarrett Lee. Oh, that, that's uh, pretty sad. But, uh, 
But also their running backs weren't as good though. But their receivers were. I don't know. It's hard that, to compare the receivers. That defense was really good. That defense was insane. And this year, well, this is the interesting thing about this year's defense is throughout this whole season, I kind of felt like the defense wasn't as good as it should have been. But they played insane in that championship. Game. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, they got healthy too. They got healthy. They had a lot of things go right. Grant Delpit was finally as close to 100% as he could be. Can we just say that we should have – I thought that uh, Antoine Winfield Jr. should have won the Thorpe Award. You know, that's, you know, maybe a conversation for a different time, but a completely real conversation that needs to be had. Because, well, even Jeffrey Akuda, I think, was more deserving. Yeah. I have an issue with the College Football Award show, and I I don't want to get into it too much right now, but it is – so it's all about stupid. the name. It's all about the name. And That's all from. it is. If, if I think that the punties, in terms of pure legitimacy of award show, if we had a, if we had a end of season punties would be way better than the ESPN college football show <laughs> because we actually. I I think the punties are more better than the college football award show. They're way more legitimate, and the I think is, people care more about. The, the thing punties. is, if Jonathan, if you switch Jonathan Taylor and Chuba Hubbard, like and. Chuba would have run for 2,500 yards and 30 touchdowns. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor would have been okay. And J.K. Dobbins, too. It's, uh, yeah, but uh, talking about this national championship game, I think you know, tra- I think Clemson will be fine. I don't think this is the end of the dynasty for Clemson. No. I think uh, they'll be fine with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross. And I think uh, probably a breakout star for next year is uh, Lynn J. Dixon at running back. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, Clemson will be fine. Yeah. I don't think this is anything and like t- too much of an issue. And people are thinking the sky is falling, that Alabama is no longer the SAT. I think they'll be back, too. I got to say that a conversation that I'm already hearing that's already pissing me off is the, well, if we had Ohio State in the national championship yeah. game, we would have had a better game. Shut up. Probably would have Those are the people that I, that I just can't stand. But that's an argument to It's that. an argument to be made, but, you know, if you're an Ohio State fan, maybe your I team think, should more score more than 16 on four red zone trips in the first half of the game. True. And you would have been there. So don't, or don't throw a bad pick at the end exactly, of the game. Exactly. I'm so tired. It's like but I think, Ohio State, you know, there were some questionable calls. Everybody knows there were some questionable calls. But they had so many other opportunities to win that true. football game. So I don't want to hear all this blah, 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 that Ohio State well, clearly would have played a better game. That you don't know that. Do, you think... don't know that they would have played a better game. It's just, it's, and it's the Ohio State fans that are so entitled and think that they deserve to be there. Shut up. You'll be just fine next year. <laughs> but moving on, let's, have you, we talked enough about national championship. Yep. It was, you know, good national championship. It really put a bow on a great season because LSU was really the story of this season. True. Them and Joe Burrow with the story of 2019. And, and, and it's Coach great o. that they finished it all up. I'm so happy that Coach O got a ring. The other thing we want to talk about is the coaching carousel that's taken place over the last couple of weeks. Now, we've done a lot of talk about kind of the mainstream jobs that were out there at the end of the year. So the Arkansas, Florida State, all that. But we haven't had a chance to talk about some of the jobs that have gotten filled over this last week or two. And that includes Mississippi State, Baylor, and now Washington State. Um, so obviously Mississippi State is going with Mike Leach. 
Um, they made an interesting, interesting timing to get rid of Joe Moorhead. I thought it was a little bit weird when they did it, but the Mike Leach was a pretty good get in my opinion. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, do you think? I think uh, should we just hammer it down right now that Garrett Trader is going to lead the league in passing for next year? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm interested to see how weird Mississippi that, State looks next year. It's weird that Kylan Hill decided to come back. I was thinking knowing the same that he's thing. playing an air raid offense, he's probably not going to rush for a thousand yards. Yeah, I think for him, if he had been healthy in their bowl game and would have got the, I believe he's like super close to the Mississippi State all-time rushing record. That was a decent, probably a pretty significant motivator for him because he wasn't healthy enough to get in the bowl game. But it was kind of weird. And now uh, um, Joe Moorhead took over as the OC at Oregon. Yeah, that's interesting. It's, you know, I'm, I think that's a pretty good hire, yeah. but it's a little bit weird. Joe Moorhead is a Northeast guy. And you would think he'd want to go back if to the He begins like the OC at like Boston College or something like that. Yeah, but not, you know, going back to Oregon where we don't know who their quarterback's going to be. Tyler Salau. I mean, they'll definitely be in the grad transfer market. Um, <coughs> honestly, I feel like, and the, we can talk about this with the Transfer Portal podcast, but Jet Duffy was going to Tulane, had committed to Tulane. He put out a tweet about it. Then right when Jamie Newman said he was going to Georgia, Jet Duffy decommitted from Tulane. True. So what tells me is I think he could go to Oregon Ooh. because I think he thought that Jamie Newman was going to go to Oregon, but then when Newman went to Georgia, it opened up the Oregon move for him. But, I mean, that's something to talk about another time. Yep. But, uh, um, the next... Head, ho- head coaching hire was uh, Nick Rolovich going to Washington State. I think the, for Washington State, I thought they might move away from the air raid, but they definitely hired someone that loves to throw the ball, if not even more than Mike Leach. Is that even possible? But yes. But uh, I love this hire. I think it's a good hire. Really good hire for Washington State that isn't a school that's really going to get like a – big name guy generally I mean Leach is kind of a big name guy but there was a reason he was available with all the stuff that went down to Texas Tech um but this is a yeah this is a good hire for Washington yeah. State and the personnel fit seems like it will be pretty good and um, maybe Matt Borgie gets to be a thousand yard rusher <laughs> the only thing is is and this isn't anything on Nick Rolovich is that the Pac-12 North is going to be tough next year and going forward because Oregon seems like they're back. Washington, I think, is going to be able to continue to be good. Stan- Cal will be really good. Stanford's Stanford will have a rebound year. And then Oregon State, too, yep. is Another clearly team. getting at least respectable. Yep. So it will be interesting to see how that Rolovich era goes down. Um I don't think they're going to be like an eleven-win team like they were. I, I think two they. Years with Mike Leach. I think they struggle in year one. I think uh, they might pull off an upset here or there because of the offense, but they're also breaking in a new quarterback. Mm. That could be a potential grad transfer spot too. That could be. That's Cole McDonald transfers there. I don't think he's a grad transfer, but. JT Daniels. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Um, and then Baylor. This, that just happened, like, what, two hours ago? Yeah, Dave Veranda 
getting hired. I, I love this hire. I really like this hire, too. This is... Well, when we saw the Baylor was going after Justin Fuente, um, I think this is a better hire than Justin Fuente. Even though Dave Aranda doesn't have head coaching experience yep. at this type of level. Um, but he can definitely coach a defense, and he can recruit really well. So I think that's a great spot for him, especially since Texas is literally recruiting heaven for college oh, yeah. coaches. Well, it's it's interesting because I think he would have been fine as a D coordinator at LSU with the compensation he gets. But I think it's good for Baylor that it says a lot about the program that he was willing to go there. And, you know, Matt Rule proved you can win – in Baylor, even if you took over a pretty bad situation. True. So, and, like, the Big 12's wide open right now. Like, beyond Oklahoma, there's not, like, a consistent team at this point. Texas could be. Oklahoma State is okay. Iowa State's up there. Kansas State's up there. Kansas is on the up. In college. You know, it's, it's a weird league, but, like, the top of the Big 12, I still feel like is pretty wide open yep. beyond Oklahoma. So... Um, and Hawaii's now searching for a new coach. I, I'm, Any I'm, predictions? Uh, Norm Chow. <laughs> what about? Uh, I want them to go with bring back June Jones. I know he's I coaching the XFL, June but Jones. Oh, my. Dude, bring uh, back June Jones. June Jones maybe. at Hawaii would be amazing. <laughs> oh, it'd be great, great entertainment well, value. I, I think. Uh, I don't know who would be like a logical option for Hawaii. Probably like their OC. I I could definitely see them. Trying to go with some continuity by sticking within this coaching staff, especially because they just won 10 games. Jay Norvell. But my, my <laughs> college football fandom in me wants them to make some crazy weird hire that just... Sonny like, Dykes. <laughs> see, that would not be an upgrade for Sonny Dykes at all. <laughs> but coaching... SMU's him. by far and away the better job. <laughs> Hawaii is a, it's a tough job because you're so like disconnected from everything. But the recruiting pitch is literally you get to go to school in Hawaii. <laughs> it's a pitch. It's not a pitch that's going to work for, like, top California talent. It's a um, Pacific Island talent. Oh, I mean, they'll get some – they'll get a lot of, like, interesting Samoan guys. I would like they uh, always the, do. They could have we'll gotten – they could have gotten Marcus Mariota to a – You know? They could have got to his brother. Watch, watch Talia – transfer back once he loses the job the job price young price young yeah um so yeah that's uh that is the coaching carousel happenings there's probably going to be something that breaks again soon um sometime soon and the coordinator carousel is always interesting too usc is still looking for a defensive coordinator lsu is now looking for a defensive coordinator um is ohio state still looking for a defensive coordinator um, that's a good question. Well, I mean, didn't they have? Weren't they using co-defense coordinator? coordinator. So, well, wasn't isn't the co-defense coordinator Greg Madison? Yeah, but so, still, they're probably looking for. They'll someone. probably yeah. They'll probably get like internally, but uh, I think the most underrated, and my personal favorite coordinator hire was Chris Ash returning to D coordinator because <laughs> we love Chris Ash here on the Punt Hunter podcast. You know, he's a great college football coach. I think that will actually work. I think Chris I, Ash. Yeah, I think that's actually going to work out pretty well. I will got to say, we're kind of getting off topic, but weirdest, weirdest coordinator hire of this cycle for me was Sean Gleason going from Oklahoma State to Rutgers. 
Midwest. Did you follow that at all? I thought it was, that was very pretty. Weird. I mean, he is a Midwest, North, Northeast well, guy. Yeah, I mean, he, he was, was at Princeton, Princeton before, so I guess it makes a little sense. If that was just like in a vacuum and he had no like Northeast ties, that would be. I mean, it's a big gift from. Uh, I think my Seattle, favorite. Baby. What, what's your What are your thoughts on Mike Sanford Jr. going to the Gophers? Not a fan. Not, not a fan. Not a huge fan. Mike Sanford. <laughs> he like he uh he did all the things that his resume was like kept getting better and then Western Kentucky just bombed. <laughs> so I mean, we'll see, we'll see. Um, but a thing we wanted to do next was kind of reminisce on this season, kind of marinate on it a little bit, and obviously we did a bunch of college football preview pods we love doing them it's always fun to predict what will happen and the thing about these preview pods is a lot of things happen where we are just dead wrong and there was a lot of wrong in our previews this year there also was some right so what we wanted to do is individually both have five teams we hit on in the preseason and then five teams we completely missed on um and then hit on, I mean, it's hard to know what really qualifies yep. as hitting on someone, but you thought they'd be good. You really believed in them, and they were good. Do you want to start with the team you hit on first? Yeah, I hit on Minnesota. I, oh. I had them going on that, that great run to start out the season. I think I had them going like 7-0. But I, I'm pretty sure I was like re-listening to the podcast, and I had them dropping to Maryland, which was a horrible prediction looking back at it now. <laughs> but uh, still, I had the Gophers have a, a improved year. If you were a Gopher fan, true college football fan, you knew the Gophers would be improved. But we did not expect them to go eleven and two. But that being said, I hit on the Gophers doing good, well this that's year. That's a good one. That's a good one to hit on. So who's your first one? My first one is the Virginia Cavaliers. I was firmly in the camp that they were going to win the Coastal, um, and they did. They won the Coastal. They beat Virginia Tech. Um, I think I predicted their record exactly right. Nine and well, I had them nine and four after the ACC championship game. I don't pick bowls in the in the preseason, but they basically were what I expected them to be: heavy Bryce Perkins and a really solid defense, and it was good enough to win the Coastal. So, um, you know, that's uh, I felt pretty good about Virginia. Yep, a team that I hit on was uh, Baylor. <laughs> I had them, I think, going like nine wins, which was a pretty impressive. But uh, they went above and beyond. I thought Charlie Brewer would be improved, and I thought Denzel Mims. But uh, Matt Rule surprised me a lot, and I expected them to be improved as after an eight-win season. Uh, yeah, I hit on them pretty well. And the crazy thing about Baylor is they had a really successful year this year, and they easily could have been even better. Like, they probably should have beat Oklahoma the first time. And they, like... If they had that win, they would have been favored going into the Big 12 championship game. And they easily could have won that game if Charlie Brewer didn't get hurt. So, yeah, they were a great hit to get on, yep. I would say. I'm also going with the Big 12 with my next prediction. Um, this one, I, I guess, isn't quite as impressive as a hit. Oklahoma State, I got completely right. I predicted their record perfectly. Um, and they basically did exactly what I thought they'd be. They were fringe top 25 near the bottom. They lost some games they shouldn't have, but were a tough out. Um, 
I did not expect Chuba Hubbard to do what he did. I thought Chuba Hubbard was going to be good, but I did not expect him to go for like 2,000 yards and be like amazing. I will say I was a little bit disappointed in Spencer Sanders. He did get He's hurt. He's still young. I'm intrigued to see what he does with Tylen Wallace back, but I felt pretty good about Oklahoma State. Yep. My third team is Oregon. <laughs> I had Oregon winning the Pac-12 and going to the Rose Bowl. Uh... I thought Justin Herbert was going to – I predicted a record pretty much right, I think 11-2. Well, I had them at 10 – well, yeah, like 11-2 after they, they beat Utah in the championship. So, uh, yeah, and I had them go to the Rose Bowl. Um, yeah. So I – my next hit is Oklahoma I hit on. Um, I had the number three in my preseason – I wasn't really buying the Texas hype. I know you were. So the Kirk so. But, you know, Oklahoma was pretty much exactly how I expected them to be. They lost one game in the regular season, which I knew they would. I thought they'd be a playoff team. I, I didn't think they'd get shredded in the playoff. Um, well, we also didn't expect LSU to, like... As as we, we just don't expect these things. Yes. You know, we, I felt like I hit on Oklahoma because they did pretty much what I expected. So. Uh, the fourth team that I hit on was uh, Tennessee. Uh, I thought they were going to be improved. Uh, the improved play of Jared Garantano. And I think I had them going eight wins, seven or eight wins, which was nice. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I thought the Tennessee pick looked really dumb. But they oh, yeah. got hot, won their bowl game miraculously. And capped off a really good season, and now they're probably as fir- and uh, enthroned themselves as the third best team in the SEC East. That's a very good one because we both like Tennessee preseason, and we both after those first couple of weeks were like, "Wow, we should not have believed in Tennessee," but now we look pretty smart. And yeah, I would say my next one. This is two. Um, but I predicted the Pac-12 championship game to be Oregon versus Utah. Uh, the, the thing is, I had Utah winning, which obviously did not happen. Um, but Oregon, I don't think I believed in them quite as much as you did, so I'll give credit to you. Um, but I was a firm believer in the Utah Utes. And up until that Pac-12 championship game, that looked pretty smart. Um, obviously, the way they ended this year, put a damper on things, but the youth, they're just consistent. And two straight South Division championships is not anything to feel bad about. I don't yeah. know. All right, now it's time for teams that we missed on. Uh, I think an obvious one here that a lot of people missed on, and both Tommy and I missed on, was uh, Nebraska. We had them basically beating Ohio State at home, like going to the Big Ten Championship and losing to Ohio State. But we had them getting double-digit wins in an improved year for Scott Frost. And that obviously did not happen, and I think it had a lot to do with the health of Adrian Martinez and the fact their defense was horrible. Yeah, that's we both missed on Nebraska, which is, you know, the Big Ten West was so hard to predict preseason, and we both put our money on Nebraska, and, well, this is how things happen. I would say the funny thing about the Big Ten West is I'm pretty sure I picked Nebraska to beat Ohio State in, like, my first go-around that we did. And then later on, I was talking up the Northwestern beating Ohio State. So um, Big Ten West really fucked me up this year. Yeah. <laughs> really did. 
But the team from the Big Ten that I really fucked up on is the Michigan Wolverines. Um, you know, I really felt like this was going to be the year. They had the veteran quarterback. They had a really strong defense. Um, and their offense was finally going to, you know, get out of the Stone Ages like LSU did this year. And it just, it was not pretty. They weren't absolutely atrocious, but I had them as a playoff team. And them losing four games and then losing bad to Ohio State. That being said, I did forget to mention that I had Ohio State going into the playoffs with Justin Fields being a star. So that was my fifth team that uh, I banked big on, and they definitely, the dividends paid well. Lame. <laughs> the, the next team I, I thought that uh, shit the bed this, uh, this team this season uh, was uh, Miami. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was a foreign believer in uh, Tate Bartell. I was going to be a, a really dope uh, quarterback for Miami and solve the quarterback issues for Miami, and that was the far from the reality. Uh, I thought their defense was going to keep them in games and they're going to win a lot of close games. That being said, they looked horrible uh, in the bowl game. That was a big miss. That, <laughs> like, I had some big misses. That was a, that was a pretty bad miss. I think big th- miss. The thing is, if they would have beat Florida, I feel like their season would have been a little more different. Well, just even, like, they were playing well, like, towards the end of, like, at the early part of November. They were 6-4 and four with two really manageable wins left, and they lost both of them. And then they had And then to just have put together that performance in that bowl game, ugh. That was bad. Manny Diaz, I don't think he's the answer in Coral Gables, I will say. Um, My next one, I'll also stick in the ACC because this was a team that I was really high on that just was really bad too. Syracuse. (laughs) I believe I had them winning at least 10 games. If you look back on their schedule, the way it looked in the preseason – they easily look like a 10 And, like, uh, they could have had college game day come, and they lost. God, they was, it's just so weird how the – like, their defense, I was really high on. Andre they Cisco. Had, they had, what, 10 returning starters to that defense this year? Yeah. And it was just terrible. Like, it was just so bad. They led up 63 points their second week of the season to Maryland. And then we got really high on Maryland for, like, a week. And, of course, they went 3-9, and nine, so – it's crazy how college football, you know, even people that like us that think they know a lot, we can just, like... Look like idiots. Look like complete idiots so quick. This was a really stupid pick on mine. Uh, North Texas. <laughs> I had them... Uh, I, I, I bet big on the Seth Luttrell, Mason Fine duo, and... Uh, they shit the bed so hard this offseason. Dude, that was weird. I guess it's, Graham Harrell was more important to yeah, that team than we did. Yeah, realized. I thought the loss of Graham Harrell was not going to have such a big effect on them. But uh, Seth Luttrell should have probably taken a job while he could have. Yeah. Well, he was, you know, the Kansas, <laughs> Kansas State, State job, he was, like, right there. but They couldn't, like, figure out a deal. But uh, North Texas, uh, yeah, that was a bad pick. Bad pick. Um, my next one is going to be Washington. Um, I felt like Chris Peterson had built a strong (laughs) enough program there where they were going to be able to withstand some losses. Jacob Eason was going to be pretty fucking good. Um, they weren't atrocious. They lost a lot of close games, but eight and five is not how I envisioned the season going. Although that Las Vegas bowl, they definitely looked... Pretty dang good, I thought. Yeah. Um, 
And then Jacob Eason, I think this lone season in Seattle will go down as like the weirdest one year Washington quarterback situation we've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. He was like good at times, really bad at other times. Never knew what you were getting with Jacob Eason, so that was entertaining. Yep, and uh, my team that I missed on, and uh, thinking back at it, is about Stanford. <laughs> I thought Stanford was going to be pretty good this year. I thought. With Walker Little, their old line was going to be pretty dope. Uh, I thought Colby Parkinson was going to have a big year because Stanford tight ends usually have a big year. I thought Orsford St. Brown was going to step up as that next great wide receiver, and KJ Costello would be good. And they just shit the bed. They were so bad. That that's I have that on my list as well. Going into the season, I was kind of feeling a little bit less and, confident. And they, but it's like Stanford. They They had built into a consistent winner that you could at least say was – in the top 25 conversation, Could maybe you say not that like a, Stanford is the Iowa of the Pac-12? Before this season, Before yeah. this season. But the thing is, Iowa had that one 4-8 and eight year where Kirk Ferentz is going to be on the hot seat. And they responded pretty nicely and have gone back to being a consistent winner. I think Stanford, there's been a lot of drama this offseason, a lot of players entering the transfer portal. I think they'll have a redemptive. Yeah, I, I think so as well. I think Davis Mills is going to be a good... And I think... Uh, Walker Little coming back. Walker Little, too. And then... Um, Paulson Adebo. Paulson Adebo's coming back? Yeah. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> and then... um, old, uh, Emmett Smith's son. Oh, yeah. E.J. Smith. E.J. Smith is we'll going to be it. pretty well, dope. Well, he has a legit chance to get a lot of carries right True. Um, yeah, so that... We both have that. Stanford, we both missed on. And then my last one... Was the Army Black Knights. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like... See, the, the thing is, like... I don't know what went wrong this year. I didn't watch it on Army. But, like, it was so confusing because they brought back their quarterback. They brought back a lot of offensive talent. And defensively, I'm not sure how many starters they had back. But, like, every level they had at least one really good player coming back. And they lost it's, eight games. Army had the year, Navy had the year you thought Army was going to have. Exactly. Which it's just a weird, weird thing with the triple options in these, uh, all these, like, military you academies. You know what you're getting. I think, you know, again, I didn't watch them a ton this year. I think losing their defensive coordinator to UNC was a little bit more impactful. Yep. People realize. I think they were a little bit beat up. But especially, like, after the Michigan loss, you're like, okay, Army... He thought Army this could be a, a sleeper. Pat, a, I remember you snapping me saying if Army wins this game, they could wake, they make the playoff. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, think about it. With the way that their schedule set up, they had the big Michigan win. And then they, they would have been favored after that Michigan win if they had won in every single game they played down the stretch probably. Yeah. But, again, college football has a way of us making us look very, very stupid. It really humbles you. But the really thing does. is, I feel like the Black Knights will be improved next year. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll come back. I think they'll come back. Do you have a fifth team? Iowa. <laughs> oh, yeah. This is the See, year. the thing about them is this is the other way where you were really low on them and they were a lot better. Most of these teams were really high on and they were way worse, but this is the other way around. Yeah, um... I thought Nate Stanley would regress. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the loss of the two tight ends was going to be a bigger impact on their offense than it was. But uh, Amir Smith-Marset and these wide receivers stepped up. Uh, AJ Epinesa had a dope year. Uh, 
the thing about like Iowa is like they might have an off year. They they don't lose seven games often. Like <laughs> thought they would. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, definitely missed on that bad boy. But finally, we want to talk about two last things to kind of get us excited for the off season, kind of give us a little preview of the stuff we're going to be talking about. So the two things we want to talk about quickly is a list of some coaches on the hot seat to monitor going into 2020 and this off season. And then we also want to do quickly some sleepers we're watching for each Power 5 conference. Yep. So let's start with the coaches on the hot seat. What are some coaches that you think will need to have a big 2020? Derek Mason. That's an obvious one. Uh, Mark D'Antoni. Oh. Yeah, I'm amazed he's still coaching yeah. Michigan State. I really am. I, I guess the fact they won the pinstripe bowl is good enough, but wow, that uh, team was... After that Illinois loss, you were like, wow, this, this is bad. Lovey Smith. I think is a guy that is worth monitoring. It's yeah, if they had ended the year a little bit differently, like if they had beat Northwestern, they would have been seven and five going into the bowl game. Uh, which seven and six looks way better than six. Another and seven. another coach on the hot seat is uh, Kevin Sumlin. I think oh he yeah. Basically ruined Khalil Tate's career. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> what I think is really interesting about that is I don't know if you remember this, but. When Arizona, when they were hiring Kevin Sumlin, they were really close to hiring the Navy head coach, Ken Neomatillo. And Khalil Tate tweeted, I don't want to be a triple option quarterback. And that was like, that, I don't think that was the only reason they didn't hire him, but that had to have played into it. And then they got Kevin Sumlin, who everybody thought was going to be huge with Khalil Tate. And they sucked together. So if you're Khalil Tate, I think you got to go back in time and you got to think... Maybe, Maybe I should, I should have, have been, been a fucking triple option <laughs> quarterback. Because you would have been better, I think, with Ken Diamatulo. Maybe you should have transferred to Ole Miss. Man, this fucking... Um, uh, more coaches on the hot seat. Uh, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. Big one. Big one. Um, I think there are some... Let me think here. Mm. I would say Manny Diaz. Yep. We'll be on the hot seat going into next season. We've seen second-year coaches get canned now. We saw three this year. Um, you don't get a lot of time in modern college football. Um, and then sticking in the ACC, I think Dave Dorian Dave is Dorian. a very good candidate. Yeah. Dino Babers? Uh, yeah, I think Dino Babers is interesting because I think that 10-win year they had was like maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. But... Like, I feel like if he had gone back in time for his coaching hot seat, he probably wouldn't have wanted to win that many games because then it made expectations a little bit too high. It's, um, it's hard to say that, though. But quietly, Dave Dorian, they lost eight games this year, and they have never been – they've always been good, not great. So that's why I'm thinking. Uh, another coach I think probably is not on the hot seat but worth monitoring is Pat Fitzgerald. Mm. That's a good one. That's a very good one. Because I don't think you could probably do better than Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, but it feels like every year it's like on and off with Northwestern. Either they're really good one year and then they're really bad the next year. There's no – like there's consistency, but there's always like on and off type seasons. Yeah, I think – I believe they switched up their coaching – offensive coaching staff in Northwestern. So hopefully that – 
solves whatever the hell happened there this year. But that's a good one. I think an obvious one we got to at least mention is Clay Helton. <laughs> True. Uh, it's so surprising because Clay Helton is their offense is going to be really good next year. I think USC good. is going to be really good next year. But the recruiting class for this year is stuff that you call laughable. Well, it's been it's should pull been up like the recruiting rankings. I'm pretty sure like there's like a it was like Bowling Green or like one of these schools was. Like, hey, Scott Loeffler, man. Scott Loeffler. <laughs> you can recruit. Uh, any other ones that really you can think of that you want to hit on? Uh, I can. Randy Edsel. Yeah, that's um, probably a good one. Yeah, that's that's it for me personally. Will Muschamp. Oh, Will Muschamp. That's a good one. That's a good one to end with. You know, hell of a D coordinator, but not a hell of a coach. No. Um, let's talk about sleepers for each Power Five conference. Yep. These are what teams we're gonna monitor over the off season. We're just thinking this is probably gonna change. We'll think maybe differently about these teams come August, but. Yeah. Who's your sleeper in the ACC you're watching this offseason? Georgia Tech. Oh, that's a good one. Yep. I think the move, Georgia Tech was competitive in a lot of their games. It is tragic that they had a four-star wide receiver unexpectedly die, which uh, is never good. But I think this team will use the tragedy as extra motivation going into the season, it'll play hard for him. Got a really good recruiting yep, class. Yep, got a really good recruiting class. I, I feel like they'll be in the play for the transfer portal quarterback. Like a like a random transfer that like we'd recognize, but we'd just be like, why did he choose like Georgia Tech? Like KJ Costello just like ends up at Georgia Tech. That would be interesting. Um, yeah, that's a good one. My sleeper for the ACC, Boston College, baby. I'm buying into the Jeff Halfley train. You know, I feel um, like we're going to do a podcast like next year, like this at this time, and be like, I, I shit the bet on Boston College so I probably, bad. you know, I <laughs> bet you we will. But Phil Yurkovich is transferring there. It sounds like I don't want to say that Tariq Black is for sure going to go there, but I think he has a good chance based on what I'm hearing. And overall, I think that was a program that definitely needed a change. And the ACC Atlantic, beyond Clemson, is wide open. You know, Louisville will be good next year. Uh, I think Florida State will be improved, but there's still some space there for uh, some stuff to happen. So we'll see. Big Ten? I'm going to go... Minnesota? (laughs) Minnesota. I'm going to go with Purdue. Ooh, I love it. I love it. I love Purdue. I think Purdue is going to have a similar year to Minnesota. Not win 11 games, but definitely get to eight or nine wins. I think Jeff Brom, I think I think Aiden O'Connor, Jack Plummer is going to step up at that quarterback position. And they probably have the best wide receiver duo in the Big Ten. David Bell. And Rondale Moore. Yeah. Both healthy. Both uh, healthy. We also have to talk about George Carl Aftis. Yes, George Carl Aftis is, is a stud on defensive end. Beast. I think Purdue is a huge sleeper. Yeah. This is the thing that about them is Jeff Brom finally landed a really good recruiting class this year. And they were, I think, they were beat up and they were too young for it to really make a difference. But now they're going to be a year older. They're at least healthy going into a new year. I think they're very dangerous. Yes. So. We will monitor that. 
Big 12? West Virginia. Ooh. I think uh, they played well late in the season, making a change to Jarrett Dolby at quarterback. And I think that Neil Brown is going to have another year to, with a full recruiting class to implement his system. And I think Jarrett Dolby does a good job, and I think they get to a bowl game. They might pull an upset here or there. A seven seven win season, like that's not horrible after a four win season, first season or five win first season. So I think that's a sleeper because I think it's so wide open in the Big Twelve. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State. I don't know how much of a dark horse you can consider that, considering they won eight. They're games probably a preseason top twenty five. <laughs> yeah, they are probably a preseason top twenty five. But you look at their offensive talent; they're bringing back Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, Tylen Wallace. Those are three Dylan studs. Stoner. Is Dylan Stoner coming back? I don't know. I think if he is, that's intriguing. I'm not sure who their new offensive coordinator is or is going to be, but will be interesting. I yep. think they're going to be a very dangerous team. So, who is your sleeper in the SEC? Um, in the SEC, I like Ole Miss. That is who I have as well. I I love the lane train going to Ole Miss, and I think John Reese Plumley is primed for a big year. Well, I am so excited in that the SEC West, in terms of just pure personalities, I mean, they got to make some TV show on this shit, dude. Like Nick Saban, Coach O, Lane, Mike Leach. Now, this Sam Pittman guy at Arkansas looks like he's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Um. Gus Malzahn is always an yep. interesting character to watch. Who's the guy I'm missing? Jimbo. Jimbo is the guy. Jimbo Fisher, yeah. I am so excited. Yeah, dude. I think another sleeper team has to be Mississippi State, too. Just because the air raid offense makes anything interesting. Yeah. And talent-wise, they got a lot. Of, like They, they recruited talent. really well under Dan Mullen. Yep. And it, there's still a lot of good talent there. So. Garrett, Garrett Trader, I think, is actually a pretty good quarterback. He's he's willing to put his body on the line for the for the team. I legendary, love the legendary. But I think Mississippi State and Ole Miss are two really intriguing options. After you know underwhelming hires two years ago with Matt Luke and Joe Moorhead. To say the least. <laughs> but that being said, I think these are two upgrades, and I'm very excited to see the SEC West play out for the next couple years. Um, what about the Pac-12? I love this one, Oregon State. Okay, that's is that that, somebody is, I was considering. Is Jake Luton coming back? Uh, that's a good question. I don't think. Because if he does that. come back, he is going to be the never graduate award winner for the Ponte. I think he's going to. That, that being said, I do yeah. love Oregon State this year. I think they make a bowl. They were competitive at the end of the year. Regardless of who starts a quarterback, they have two really good running backs. And Oh, you know who their starting quarterback has a good chance of being? Who? Tristan Jebbia. Oh, from Oregon, Nebraska. I'm intrigued. I'm very intrigued by that. But they have a really good running back core. And Isaiah Wilson's really good at wide receiver. I think that this team... You mean Isaiah Hodgins? Isaiah Hodgins. Well, was he going pro? I don't know. He might be going pro, dude. Uh, Let's see. I'm not seeing it. Oh, yep. He's the players for the draft. Oh. Well, still, their running backs are still really good. <laughs> you know who I like on this Oregon State team is 
Tajan Lindsay, the Tajan Lindsay, yes, Nebraska. Nebraska. What's up with all these like Nebraska transfers? <laughs> Dude, I, I saw this one thing where it said when Nebraska agreed to hire Mike Riley away from Oregon State, they both agreed that at least three Nebraska players would transfer there in the future. And three did. Tristan Jebbia, Tajon Lindsay, and Avery Roberts, the linebacker. Interesting. Yes. Uh, mine for this, this uh, the Pac-12, is the California Golden Bears. I think one of the big what-ifs of college football this season, for me, honestly, is what if Chase Garbers never got hurt? I that agree. team was 4-0, playing pretty dang good football, and when he got back, they played really good, too. If they had had him the whole season, I don't think it's crazy to think they would have won 9-10 games. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and they I won think... eight, and he they had Devin Monster in there for a big time. Devin Monster. Who doesn't remember Devin Monster? So... But I know I think, they're going to lose Evan Weaver, yeah. but Garbers will be back. And Wilcox can coach defense. Look at it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Cal is going to be a factor. You know, we're going to look at the Pac-12 North and kind of ignore them, but we shouldn't. That's all I got to say. Well, this has been a fun podcast talking about the 2019 season. We'll be hitting you with some off-season pods. We won't be completely dead. The punting on third tradition never dies. No. Um, but this has been the punting on third podcast. Signing out for the last time, 2019. 2020 season. It's sad. But remember, ladies and gentlemen, football, football is, is a, a game, game of field, field position. position.